A lifetime of hard work, children laughing in the kitchen, family photos on a restaurant wall, a legacy that lives on. It all comes from the power of a conversation, like the one Tommy Hall had with First Horizon Bank about taking over his father's Charleston-based restaurant business. Now the table is set for a whole new generation. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Tommy. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. This is the Ben Burnett Show, the only show in America that features a one-term has-been retired politician that nobody knows. Welcome to the weekend. It is Extra 106.3, Atlanta's only conservative talk station. My name is Ben Burnett. I host a show each and every weekend. I host a podcast on Tuesdays and Thursdays, also titled The Ben Burnett Show. You can get that on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, the Extra 106.3 app. You can pick about anywhere you get podcasts, you can find me. You visit my website, thebenburnettshow.com. Tells you a little bit more about me and about my background. We've waited as Christmas has come and gone. New Year's has come and gone. We're into a new year. And I always just think we're going to just crawl right into the news cycle. And it seems like every single time, I am just dead wrong. The biggest story this week, far and wide, honestly, probably across planet Earth, is not Hamas, Israel, Hezbollah, and it should be. It's about Jeffrey Epstein, the guy who either committed suicide or was killed in some New York jail a couple of years back. His girlfriend, Ghislaine Maxwell, is serving a 20-year sentence for human trafficking, and there have been names that have started to emerge. Early last year, a judge said there was really no reason to withhold the flight manifests and the scheduling events that took place around Epstein Island, somewhere in the Caribbean, or his known associates in his personal calendar. In there, you found all sorts of names that were alluded to to begin with. Prince Andrew was one. Bill Clinton was one. Donald Trump was one. I'll be honest with you. I mean, I know who a lot of people are. I had no idea who Jeffrey Epstein was until a couple of years ago when he just wound up dead. But it had long been suspected that he had run a human trafficking ring. It had been brought up in several court cases throughout time. And early last month in December... A U.S. District Court Judge Loretta Preska found no legal justification for continuing to withhold as many as 175 names that had previously been connected to Jeffrey Epstein. I think this is going to wind up being the sad story of 2024 because a lot of you find your heroes and people in public life or people that have done really great things, and they're flawed human beings. Don't get me wrong. I don't think as many, I don't think 175 names coming out. I Look, I don't think all these people are bad people. There's plenty of people out there that I have no doubt would avoid contact, any sort of wrongdoing with minors. And look, it's men and women. You see names on there like Cameron Diaz. You see names on there like Leonardo DiCaprio. But it's not good. But I wonder at the same time, like, who in power was trying to keep these documents ultimately sealed? To me, that is the one thing that makes absolutely no sense. Unless you're trying to protect somebody. And look, sometimes it's not the crime, it's the cover-up. In this case, it is definitely the crime, and it is definitely the cover-up. But you don't have to look very far into some of the testimony. Bill Clinton likes him young. Well, I mean, we know who Bill Clinton was, but if you asked me if I thought that the guy could be potentially guilty of something like this. I mean, I, probably not. What's that guy paying for? You know, there's no doubt in my mind that he had to know 
that if he got wrapped up in some sort of thing, that it was eventually going to come to light. It always does. It always does. That's the thing that I want all of you to know. If you're out there doing something questionable, it's not if, it is when it comes to light. And I don't mean something like, you know, Epstein Island. I'm just saying whatever it is with your business relationships, it doesn't matter. It will ultimately find its way to the top of the surface. And even now, after after January 1st is come and gone, there are still a handful of redacted names. But look, this list is like, it's really strange. It it doesn't, I don't think, it's, I I said it, there's 175 of them. I'm sure they're not all guilty. You look at names like Kate Blanchett, Naomi Campbell, Cameron Diaz, Leonardo DiCaprio, Stephen Hawking of all people. It, it doesn't stand it doesn't stand to reason that just because you showed up on this list that you have something to hide or you have something to prove. I will say this. In that circle, in that socialite circle, where there is smoke, there is fire. And I am confident that of the 175 people listed, there are one or two that deserve to be pointed out. Trafficking minors taking part in something like that? Goodness. And you also have people on there that are less respected, people like Michael Jackson. Well, look, if Michael Jackson's name shows up on something with minor sex trafficking, I definitely have a bunch of questions. That dude was as talented as they come in the entertainment space, but he clearly lived a life that was full of flaws, had drug problems, had problems with kids. You can pick it. It's horrible. But then you got people like Bill Richardson. I bet that guy was. Su- I bet that guy in 2024 is super glad he is dead. The longtime governor of New Mexico worked for the Obama administration. This does not hold up well in the least, and that's not the. And, but that's not the only thing that happened. You started to see around Christmas Day, Marjorie Taylor Greene had been swatted, Burt Jones swatted. Gabe Sterling swatted. What swatting means is that somebody uses essentially probably a burner phone, calls the cops, says there's a drug deal that's gone wrong or potential shooting, whatever. It's somebody high profile in a lot of cases right now. These are Republicans. Man, that's scary. What a waste. What a waste of taxpayer money. And you want to talk about wastes of taxpayer money? There is nothing in your life that will cost you more money than sending your local law enforcement and probably adjacent law enforcement's on a part of a SWAT team, to go to somebody's house and realize that they were just having dinner, nothing to it, you 30, 40, 50 people, you're pulling these folks off the street. A lot of times if SWAT, a lot of times there are SWAT teams that the county has, but if you live anywhere in North Fulton, like Sandy Springs, Roswell, Johns Creek, Alpharetta, they combine forces to build a municipal SWAT team. How many people is that pulling off the street? How many people is that ultimately pulling out of each and every jurisdiction? Plenty of these people are working all the time, so somebody else has got to cover their spot and their role, and it takes hours. It takes hours. I am excited to watch the Georgia General Assembly get a hold on this. There has got to be a way. This is the thing that I just can't get past. With all the tracking mechanisms and surveillance that takes place, you're telling me that we can't figure out who these people are that call in triangulate locations, utilize cell phone data, things like that. Look, because I think that, because I think there's a lot of them that are in cahoots with one another. And this is the wrong thing for absolutely everybody. I do a really good job. I don't do a really good job with a lot. I do a really good job of calling it both ways. Your safety and security in your local counties and your local municipalities, that ain't partisan. It's not. 
Very few of these individuals are the defund the police folks. It, very few people in my listening audience are the defund the police folks. I'll, be, I'll give everybody that courtesy. We can disagree on policy all day long. Almost nobody is fine with something like this. And I'm glad to see that Republicans seem to be the party that has more sense. And if you want to pull Democrats over, and if you're a Democrat, you listen to me. I don't blame you for how you feel. I can understand plenty of the entitlements. I can understand plenty of the equality message. I can disagree with most of it, if not all of it. But I'll tell you this. As Democrats continue to target conservatives with law enforcement and put their families and their lives and those individuals' lives in harm's way, that's a losing issue for you, Democrats. And you guys need to be out there condemning this at it by a factor of 10 over Republicans because Republicans are pretty loud. They're clearly the martyred folks right now. But if Democrats want a seat at the table and you are one of them and you want to hang on to your seat or you want to continue to see your preferred politician get elected, man, they need to be out front and center on stuff like this because it is truly horrible. Switching gears just a little bit, we ended the year in 2023 with pretty good growth. You've heard a lot of talk around the Magnificent Seven. There's stocks like Microsoft, Amazon, NVIDIA, Tesla, plenty of them saw enormous returns. You look at, co- you look at a company like NVIDIA, it saw well over 100% growth year over year. It's all based and predicated on artificial intelligence. It's where the market's going. But look, the rest of the market's doing pretty well too. And you've seen the stocks in early days in 2024 pull back. And I've seen a lot of people going, what's happened to the stock market in the last week? I'll tell you what's happened to the stock market in the last week. Plenty of people sell stocks on January 1st or 2nd who have seen enormous returns because it essentially gives you a year and a half to pay the taxes. Because if you sell on January 1st of 2024, you don't know the tax man for capital gains purposes or ordinary income until April of 2025, which means you get to pull that money out. You get to sit on it. You get to look around, you get to count it, roll it around on your bed, whatever you want to do. It's really fascinating to me. One of the things that we're going to get to when we come back is this. Can the Republicans continue to sit there and tell you that the sky is falling with gas, grocery prices, and everything else when you've seen pretty good growth in 2023 after a rough 22, after a rough 2022? What's that going to mean for 2024? If President Biden sees two years of 20% growth in the S&P 500, does he get the opportunity to stand on a debate on a debate stage and convince you that he's actually right with all the spending that he's done, with the way that the economy is going, with the fact that there was no hard landing or a soft landing, the fact that it was just simply perhaps a market correction? I think President Biden is going to have more of an advantage with the economy than you probably think heading into election season. I'm the first guy who will ever tell you that President Biden has 500 million problems. He does. His immigration policy sucks. The Middle East is on fire. The Iranian Houthi-backed rebels are sitting there attacking American and Western allies. It's not good for President Biden. But the economy is not going to be a weakness to that man. I know that lives in conflict with a lot of you. When we get back, you're going to hear me out. Because the stock market, regardless of all the doom and gloom that you hear, man, people are making money. And they're going to start looking around. And if that continues, I think that that could actually be a helpful issue to the Democrats. This is Extra 106.3, Atlanta's only conservative talk station. My name is Ben Burnett. You can follow me on Twitter, at Ben Burnett. You can follow me on Instagram, at The Ben Burnett Show. I cast reels constantly 
We're going to continue that conversation around the economy and the issues that Congress is going to take on in 2024 heading into an election year. Are they actually going to get anything done? It's Atlanta's only conservative talk station, Extra 106.3. We will be right back. Tonight in Arkansas, there's a mother tucking in her daughter and turning off the light. A business owner is burning the midnight oil. An at-home dinner date is plating up possibility. And it's all happening under one roof. How? The power of a conversation, like the one John from Integrity Solutions had with First Horizon Bank about his vision for a sustainable mixed-use building. Now it's not just words, it's life. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash John. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. This is the Ben Burnett Show on Extra 106.3. Welcome back to Extra 106.3 Atlanta's all-conservative talk station. This is the Ben Burnett Show. You can catch my podcast on Tuesdays and Thursdays. In a couple of weeks, I'm going to start rolling out interviews again. I've got some really, really interesting folks. Southside Steve, regular guys. That was an Atlanta staple for a long time. Super interesting to hear how people come up through the ranks, how they make it, how they become somebody. You know, and then sometimes how the machine just sits there and kind of washes you out a little bit. I love Southside Steve. Super good dude. I go on his radio show pretty much every single week. Talking about the issues, talking about current events, just how I kind of see it, how they see it. And we always, you know, we don't we don't always agree on ab- absolutely everything. Great Atlanta guy. Another one I've had is John Roman, who owns a company called Battlebox. A lot of ladies out there have subscriptions for makeup, everything. They pay $8 a month for soap or eyeliner, whatever the hell. I don't even know. But plenty of you spend a ton of money with monthly recurring revenue. John Roman owns a company called Battlebox. He had a Netflix show called Southern Survival. Lives in Swanee, super interesting guy, almost 150,000 followers on Instagram. That's crazy. For an Atlanta-based business that sells a box of prepper stuff, survival stuff, and the price point's about $150, $160 a month. Like, it's not nothing. It's not like paying $8 for satellite radio or something like that. Like, that's real money over the course of a year. And I also had Kathy Cox, who's the president of Georgia College and State University, She was the Secretary of State before Georgia just became absolutely inundated and totally dominated by Republicans. She's one of the common sense Democrats that a lot of you still love. Back in the day, they cared about poor kids. They cared about subsidizing agriculture. They cared about things that made this country a better place. And honestly, if the Democrat Party would ever get back to the nuts and bolts kitchen table issues, I think they would have a real opportunity It makes no sense to me why they continue to run to the DEI initiative and transgender rights and things that just really don't affect very many people. It doesn't resonate with their own party. Closing out the last segment, we talked about President Biden and his 500 million problems. And I'm the guy on the radio station who will tell you the economy is not one of them. You've asked for two years since COVID, are we going to have a hard landing? Are we going to have a soft landing? We printed seven, eight, nine trillion dollars. Times are hard. Look, if you're at the bottom in this country making $40,000 or less, I'm not talking to you. If you are everybody else and you live in the dual-income household that makes seventy five dollars or $80,000 and you're investing in a 401k and an IRA and stuff like that, do you know what the S&P 500 returned to you in 2023? Almost 24%. The highest year in the 2020s was in 2021, where it returned 27%. The top stocks 
returned, the top seven stocks rather, returned almost 70%. Your Apple, Microsoft, NVIDIA, those types of companies, Amazon, they returned a ton of money. And most of that was in the back half of the year. 24% if you are only invested in the S&P 500. So here's my question to you, Republicans. The economy is horrible. How many of you use utilize the gas and groceries conversation when you talk about how bad things are? Almost all of you. I don't I get it. Those are the consumer staples. It's tough. Inflation has been bad, but inflation is coming down. And I think the Republicans' message needs to change for one reason. Because if the economy and the market, the S&P 500 returns 24% again, that will be in 2 years 50% growth, over 50% growth. On your money, if you had $100,000 invested in at the end of 2022, it would be over $150,000 today. Honestly, it would be clo- honestly it would be closer to $160,000 just the way that the math compounds. So how is that bad? That's how the average person saves money to retire. It's not. The other thing that is pound foolish that people run to all the time is that gas is $3 a gallon. Guys, 20 years ago, Gas was almost $3 a gallon. I remember going to the Keys when I was in college in 2003 and 2004. It was the first time I had ever seen gas cross $2 per gallon. First time ever. Yeah, yeah, literally 20 years to the day. The first time I had ever seen gas at $2 a gallon. This is not going to resonate with lots of you because you guys have your talking points and you don't ever ask yourself the next question. How many of you make the same amount of money that you made in 2003. Almost none of you. How many things do you buy that cost the same thing that they did 20 years ago? Almost none of it. So why should you look at gas the same way? This is the argument that I have with Republicans that is just totally brainless. Everything that you buy, if you go to work and you work in the private sector, I'll tell you this. Do you get a 3% or a 4% or a 5% increase in your salary? Do you ever take another job to make another 15%? Do you move around? Do you switch? Why do you do that? To give yourself a better quality of life, a little more opportunity. The things about that nature, the things about capitalism that makes this country an absolutely great place to live. There's no question about it. And guys, I am rigidly conservative. I am challenging the theology of the arguments that you hear on a daily basis. It is intellectually dishonest for you to expect gas to cost the same today as it did 20 years ago. It is intellectually dishonest for you to think that the price of eggs for a dozen eggs should be a dollar because it was 20 years ago, because nothing costs what it cost 20 years ago. And if you give somebody a paragraph to explain that and you say, look at your own life and look at how much more money you make today than you did 20 years ago, It doesn't hold water. If you get a Republican into that conversation about what things cost 20 years ago, they don't have anywhere to run and they will change the, and they will entirely change the subject. Guys, the economy is a strength to this country and it is happening in spite of the Biden administration. That's the argument that you need to have. The economy is so resilient with the Trump tax cuts that took place in 2017 and the fact that Two presidents and both chambers of Congress printed an enormous amount of money that the economy is still continuing to press on and it is still delivering a return that that outpaces the inflation rate by 20%. And we think inflation's high. Guys, you can give me 4% inflation all day long if you will allow me 
to invest the maximum that I possibly can, and I can see a return that exceeds the rate of inflation by 20 points all day long. And so should you. Do I wish that inflation was at zero like we saw for a decade? Yes. Do I wish that inflation was at zero for a decade and we saw the returns that we saw during COVID and in the, and, and in the 20 teens? Yes. Nothing lasts forever. You have to expect things to move. When there was a global pandemic, the United States government freaked out. Right, wrong, or indifferent, I don't care if you're for it, for the spending. I don't care if you were against the spending. They freaked out. They all became members of the same party. If you want to criticize the Uniparty and the, and the subsequent actions of then, I, I, I can't dispute it. But you cannot continue to sit there and tell me that the economy is in shambles because it's not. And when Biden returns heading into 2024 and you want to beat on him over the economy, he has to pull up one chart and all of you can pull up the same chart or your 401k or whatever and just say, look, I did this. Now, that part is totally dishonest, but if the Republicans are going to beat that man and tar and feather him over the economy, it's a losing issue. The Republicans are honestly dishonest to continue to blame the man for all the inflation because that's not going to hold water either. If you are somebody, hear me, I've already referenced a guy who makes over $75,000 a year in dual income household revenue. You are better off today than you were 10 years ago. You are better off today than you were in 2017. If you were at the bottom, these are the only people that have a grievance with what is happening with the economy today because they can't afford to be part of the growth that exists. And for that, I would tell you, get some more skills, get on LinkedIn, find a better job, quit blaming everybody else for your problems, quit listening to the radio for your talking points, and go get it. It is there. And anybody can do it. I am far and wide not the smartest person in the world. Guys, 2023 was a great year for me, and 2024 will be even better. Have that attitude because it's there for absolutely everybody. It is morning in America. And when the Republicans have the opportunity to take the House and take the Senate and put a Republican who has pro-business tax policies in place, we can see 22 or 24% turn into 30 or 35. That's the argument. The economy is not in bad shape, but we can do better. If we stop printing money, Inflation will come down. You can see the returns in the quality of life that you that you had some seven, eight years ago. It's there. That's the message. When you combine that with the fact that the Biden administration, and they do not really want to sit there and support Israel in their battle with terrorists, that's a losing issue for the Democrats. When Houthi rebels that are backed by the Iranian government, who are our sworn enemies, continue to attack commercial ships, Navy ships from the West, from the United States, that's a losing issue for the Biden administration. The clean energy conversation that is force-fed down our throats all the time, that is a losing conversation for the Biden administration. And Republicans do a great job with that. But you have to beat them with sound policy and sound theology because they have almost none. But you can't continue to sit there and tell us that the sky is falling and that people's lives have never been worse. Look, there are three potential conflicts that greatly affect the United States, and I think the Democrats have done a terrible job with two of them that exist today. I think the Democrats have shown you who they are at being terrorist sympathizers. I think it's absolutely heinous. I think the fact that Chuck Schumer looks at his own party and thinks, what have we created 
with this culture in America where you can go protest against a sovereign government who was attacked by terrorists. What has happened to the Democrats since 9-11? I, I honestly don't know the answer. But you watch the DEI stuff. You watch the inclusivity. You watch that we want to censor certain parts of speech and not others. You watch the rise of global platforms like TikTok that affect the way that Americans think. Guys, don't give the American people any credit. If you have learned anything, if you learned anything from 2023 at all, and I mean anything at all, is that the internet is extraordinarily powerful and that young people have no concept of what has happened in human history. Those are the two things. Because Hamas doesn't sit there. They want a free and fair Palestine. Well, how did that even get there? You know, you look through history, Jerusalem, Turkey, plenty of those places have changed hands a bunch. The Christians owned them at certain points. The Jewish people owned them at certain points. The Muslim people owned them at certain points. And a lot of people don't tie their religious doctrine to any sort of founding in history. I mean, Jerusalem, Israel, Gaza, even at the end of the First World War, it was Muslim-controlled. They lost the Ottoman Empire, which you learned about in high school. They ultimately had to surrender power, and the British took it over. But the British were smart enough to know that they didn't want to be in the business of Israel by themselves. So the UN sat there and drew boundaries, and Great Britain slowly made the exit out of it. And we're like, here's your sovereign state. Good luck here in this fever pitch boiling pot over time with five or six or 7,000 years of history with people who abjectly hate each other. It's going to be fine. There are a lot of intellectually honest arguments that we have to be able to have. You know why I'm in fun, you know why I'm in favor of funding Israel in the Middle East? It's not because I like Benjamin Netanyahu, I really don't. The guy's been in power off and on since Bill Clinton was president in the United States and I don't trust anybody who needs 30 years of continuous power or seeks 30 years of continuous power and none of you do either. I like Israel for the sole reason that they are a democracy in the Middle East, and that they are not adversarial to the West. When you look around at everybody else, their king-controlled, sheiks, shahs, things like that, they're not, they do not have Western values. The Israelis are as close as the West is ever going to get, and that is the best that we are ever going to do. I don't support them for religious reasons. I know a lot of you do. I think that's crazy. I support them because in the Mediterranean, the furthest east that you go, the farthest east that you can go is Israel. And they have our best interest at heart. That's the end of the story. If we had to send American troops into Baghdad like we did in the early 90s, in the early part of the 2000s, they say, my country is your country. You guys set up here. You can do anything you want. We're going to stay out of the way. We appreciate our relationship with you because, candidly, you're the only reason we exist. Those are the allies that I like. It ain't, it's not religious. It's not philosophical. If I have religious ideology to sit there and defend Israel, it doesn't make me any different than the Iranians or the Iraqis or anybody else in that part of the Muslim Western world that wants to have a theocracy. I do not want to live in a place that is governed by religious people, period. I don't trust the ones we have here. I know that lives in conflict with plenty of you because I'm on as soon as a lot of us are getting out of church. But politics and church, it ain't the same thing. And it was never intended to be the same thing in this country. Use that theology and use that theology because it makes for sound decisions. That is the end of the story with almost everything. So often people in political circles want to outthink the room. Israel deserves to exist 
because of the sovereign borders that were agreed to. And the people who don't like it ultimately lost the war, and they're going to sit there and protest, apparently violently, for as long as it takes. And I don't blame Netanyahu for sitting here saying, no, we're going to have months of war, and these people in Gaza are going to remember the day that they wanted to inflict harm on our way of life, and we're going to make them pay for it. And there are going to be some innocent people that get in the way, and they're not going to have a lot left over, and they're going to be mad, and they're going to be scorned, and they're going to be bitter at how we responded. It was never our fault. That is the answer to the question. In my mind, 75% of Americans agree with that. And the Biden administration and the House and Senate Republicans are smart, by and large, to support Israel and fund certain parts of what they want to do in order to allow them to continue to exist because that will ultimately be better for America. And at the same time, you want to talk about the intellectually dishonest arguments that the Biden administration will make. They're fine with Israel having sovereign borders, even though they would like to see a ceasefire, but they do nothing with ours. How Secretary Mayorkas and the Biden administration can continue to sit there and harm transfer and trade into the United States like you saw over Christmas in the Christmas break with Union Pacific Railways and some others. They would stop trains from entering the United States from Mexico to take part of the USMCA and NAFTA, but they didn't want to do anything about the entire problem, which is immigration. And we are seeing 10,000 people per day, and that problem gets worse. I have absolutely no idea what the Biden administration's ultimate goal is. The only thing that I can really rationalize in my brain, and look, I don't even know that I actually believe this. I think the Biden administration knows that the country is unhappy with it. I think that they know that conservative Democrats are going to go the other way because they don't like certain policies and procedures that the left has chosen to implement around the aforementioned DEI, transgender rights, and he's willing to forsake them. I also think President Biden knows that he is old, and I think the Democrats ultimately know he is going to lose. And yes, I do not care for Donald Trump. He is not my preferred president of my lifetime. I've met the man. He was very nice. I think the Democrats know he's going to lose. I do. There's nothing. It's going to be a bunch of theater. The world's going to be super engaged in what happens. They can't believe we would send Donald Trump back into America. But the number one issue that people are afraid of, left and right, is immigration. And that is a great strength that the Republicans at least have from a kabuki theater position. Donald Trump loves to talk about immigration and the wall that he started to build and really didn't get very far on because he couldn't navigate things in the deep state or whoever was trying to keep him from implementing his wall. He's going to have another four years to do it. I think President Biden thinks that the border wall is probably the right thing to do. I think the reason that he is dragging his feet is that he thinks that more people of color who move into the United States are more likely to be Democrats in 20 years. I think that is the only strategic thinking that he could possibly have is that people of color are never Republicans. And he's wrong about that. And he's part of the reason that they are greatly coming in such significant numbers to the party. It can't be anything else. At this point, when you see record numbers of people who are quote unquote seeking asylum, let me listen to this. You can watch from videos of the course of the last week. There were about 10 or 12 guys from Egypt who entered the United States through Mexico and claimed 
they were here and they were seeking asylum as political prisoners. From Mexico? I think the only reason that the Democrats are not going to do this, and I believe that they will ultimately pay for this in 2024, and I think they will pay for it far beyond. The number one issue that affects Americans is the southern border because it is people, but that's not the worst thing that comes across. The worst thing that comes across the southern border are drugs and chemicals, fentanyl. To me, watching China sit there and utilize the southern border to infiltrate the United States of America with drugs is truly unforgivable and as a humanitarian crisis. I think people are a huge problem. You know, I'm not the guy, I understand why plenty of them want to come here. And look, if you want to get something done as a member of Congress or an illegal immigrant, I'll just go ahead and compare the two. You will do whatever it takes for you to ultimately be successful if that is what matters most. If what matters most to you is fleeing Nicaragua, there's really corrupt levels of government and you feel like your family isn't safe. I'm not going to sit there and blame people for wanting to come into this country and seek asylum. I totally understand it. I think most of you do too. There has to be some sort of platform and process to get the right people that we need in into the United States. I think it is intellectually dishonest for you to expect things to cost the same year over year. Look, you've got people who work for you. Some years they're $10, $10 an hour. Then two years later, they're $11 an hour. A couple years later, they're $15 an hour. A couple years later, they leave. It's 20 because things cost more money. They, it just does. Corporations want to make more money. Small business owners want to make more money. That is a fact of life, and that is how the world goes around. You can make a lot more money if you are from Central America by coming to the United States and taking the worst job that none of us really ever possibly wanted to do. I mean, you look at unemployment in this country. It is virtually zero, and there are jobs absolutely everywhere. But the economy day in and day out is what matters to you most. And if you think it's something else, you are wrong. That's how you put food on the table. That's how you put gas in the car. That's how you go on vacation. That's how you afford your mortgage. It affects absolutely everything that you do. And when the unemployment numbers are high, times for a lot of people get hard. And the inverse problem, when unemployment gets to be too low, businesses can't operate because they can't find people to take jobs and do menial tasks. I think the solution that surrounds the southern border exists entirely through a robust and comprehensive immigration plan that includes securing the southern border. I really don't care if it's military. I think it should probably be military, National Guard, law enforcement, and the wall because there's a ton of bad things, and we have to mean business with that. But look, if you want to pay less for stuff, that's going to include immigrant labor. And whether you believe it or not, those immigrants in this country, they're not getting paid under the table because no sane business owner pays people under the table because they want to ultimately write it off their top line revenue on their taxes. That's what makes the most sense. When we come back, we're going to get into the Ivy League education, Claudine Gay, who apparently is entering the unemployment line, and how this is the beginning of the end of the DEI initiative. My name is Ben Burnett. You can follow me on Twitter at Ben Burnett. You can follow me on, on Instagram at The Ben Burnett Show. Each week, we talk about all the issues. We interview people who create your perspective. Over the last year, I've had Mike Pence. I've had numerous folks out of the state legislature. I've had Attorney General Chris Carr. I have all kinds of people who create the way you think and the policies that get driven forth and the policies that get driven forward within the state of Georgia. And I am super grateful to bring that to you each and every week. 
This is Extra 106.3, Atlanta's only conservative talk station. We will be right back. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. This morning in the Atlanta airport, no one's missing a meal on Mac Wilburn's watch. With 11 restaurants to serve passengers, he's got dining for every destination. And it all started when Mac talked with First Horizon Bank about opening a franchise in the airport. Now it's open for business and cleared for takeoff. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Mac. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. This is the Ben Burnett Show on Extra 106.3. Welcome back to the Ben Burnett Show on Extra 106.3. You missed any part of our conversation today or throughout the weeks past. I'm sure they'll haunt me. My comments will haunt me at some point. You can find them all on Apple, iTunes, Amazon, Spotify, the Extra 106.3 app, which I'd encourage you to download. You know, in Metro Atlanta, the signal's pretty good, but when you get out, Watching digital radio make a transformation in Extra 106.3 is a huge part of what is happening in the digital landscape, and I'm excited to be a part of it. I'm grateful to David Dickey, 680 The Fan, and Extra 106.3 for the opportunity that I have. One of the final things I want to get to this week is about Harvard. You saw members of some Ivy League institutions in MIT, Penn, Harvard, about a month or two ago, sit in front of Congress and talk about some of the anti-Semitic rhetoric that is taking place on campuses, and the university presidents wouldn't necessarily condemn Hamas or the protesters that wanted to protest on behalf of the Palestinian people, and they defended some pretty heinous actions. One of the things that I just, I cannot grapple with, I do, I do not come to terms with, is that how anybody can sit there. If you want to advocate for a, a free Palestinian state, like use your First Amendment rights, fill out the protest permits, go for it. I'm a First Amendment absolutist. I think everybody on the radio station is. I have advocated when I was in elected office to have people that I did not agree with over issues that I did not agree with have the opportunity to make their voice heard in a responsible manner. And I think that's one of the, if not the greatest thing about our American republic, our democracy. It's the fact that there are people who have the ability to fill out the protest permits, say absolutely anything, you know, as long as you don't burn stuff to the ground and create a huge mess and pay the fees, you have the opportunity to be exactly who you want to be and advocate for the causes that are important to you. Sometimes that has consequences. And Claudine Gay is the second Ivy League president who has had the opportunity or was forced to resign over the last several months after her testimony in front of Congress where she wouldn't necessarily condemn some of the rhetoric that took place on Harvard's campus. Her quote this week in her resignation letter was, it is with a heavy heart, but a deep love for Harvard that I write and share that I will be stepping down as president. This decision is not one that I came to easily. It has been difficult. It has been difficult beyond words because I have looked forward to working with so many of you to advance the commitment of academic excellence, and it has propelled this great university for centuries. But after consultation with members of the corporation, it's clear that for the best interests of Harvard, it is for me to resign so that our community can navigate this moment of extraordinary challenge with a focus, an institution, rather than any individual. 
She said all the right things on the way out. I do not understand under any certain set of terms or circumstances why it is difficult for members of the left and the faculty lounge and university presidents to say what is really easy to say. We do not like hate. We do not like terrorism. We do not condone what happened. We think that peace and freedom for everybody is worth advocating for. And it cost her her job, much like it did the University of Pennsylvania's president. We haven't seen the backlash against the MIT president. And there's one thing that I will criticize us on the right for. Think we're right to sit there and say, hey, Claudine Gay, that was probably stupid. Hey, University of Pennsylvania president, probably not the right thing to do. Sit in front of Congress and advocate for people who killed innocent civilians who were going to a concert. Advocate for the terrorists who flew paragliders into, you know, crowded places, did some awful heinous things to children. Like, how are we this disconnected? Not as Republicans or Democrats, but as people. What was Claudine Gay so afraid of with, within her base to have the opportunity to just do the right thing? That's where I am. I don't expect university presidents, especially in the Ivy League, to be raging conservatives. I don't. But I do expect for them, even if I have fundamental disagreements over policy, to be willing to say what most of us willingly agree with. I'm not the guy, I'm not the cancel culture guy. I hate it. I think that's the worst, most vile part of the entire internet. But when you lack the common sense approach to sit in front of Congress and be truthful and honest about what is going on, it's broken. After what has transpired over the last couple of weeks with the Ivy League institutions, I don't think that I could in good conscience send any of my three children to school there. And they are fantastic universities. The greatest part of those universities, besides the education that you have, is the alumni base and the alumni network that you get to pull from later on. And I am grateful to see people who I do not agree with be willing to stand up and say, we're not funding her salary. We are not donating another single dollar to an institution that is not willing to at least advocate for basic human rights. They are plenty good at running as far as they possibly can to the left, the Ivy League institutions, at advocating for transgender rights, which affect almost no one, or saying that white people are evil, I don't think that this is the right way for America to move forward. I think that this is an opportunity. When I've told you throughout the recent weeks, I think the DEI initiative is on the way out. I believe in meritocracy. I think Harvard is one of the best universities that you could ever hope to go to and attend. I think most of you think that it is one of the best universities that you could send your kids to. But I wonder how far this trickles down. You've heard almost nothing out of any of the university presidents with regards to the with regards to the Southeastern Conference, except maybe Ben Sass, who was probably one of my favorite United States senators of all time, a resort, a, a results oriented guy in his own right, being willing to sit there and say, We support the rights of people to protest whatever they want. We back everybody's rights with respect to free speech, but we will not tolerate anger, racism, and hatred towards anybody in our student population. And the people at the pinnacle of the American education system didn't have the opportunity to do that. I also think 
that the plagiarism accusations that Claudine Gay faced with respect to her PhD is ultimately also part of what is in the undoing. And I think that that is something that people on both sides of the aisle should sit there and advocate for. If you get into one of the finest institutions in the entire country, you should subscribe to their honor code. If you earn an A, you get an A. If you do your best and you get a C, and that was the best you could do, that was what you could aspire to. I might be at an entirely different place in life if I had the opportunity to go to Harvard. But I'll also tell you, it is incredibly troubling to sit here in 2024 and think that that was the best that the American people could do. What was Harvard thinking when they hired Claudine Gay? What did they even look into with respect to how she felt about things, what her body of work actually looked like? Was it even authentic? I think that is incredibly troubling. I think it is incredibly troubling. I think it is incredibly troubling knowing that the rise of artificial intelligence is going to make this entirely more commonplace for American people who aspire to the highest levels of education. The pressure of the day to get an A or to get the job or to be somebody should never outweigh the meritocracy and the efforts that it takes to actually get there by, an, uh, by your own honest means. You can catch the Ben Burnett Show on Tuesdays and Thursdays coming up in a few weeks. I've got several good interviews recording a lot more. You can follow me on Twitter at Ben Burnett. You can follow me on Instagram at the Ben Burnett Show. Thank you for spending your Saturdays and Sundays with me. This is Extra 106.3 Atlanta's all-conservative talk station. We will see you guys next week. Make it a good one. Spring is here and baseball is back. You can't forget the Derby. I love the hats. Do you have yours yet? My hat? I treated myself to a whole outfit. If you want to be able to treat yourself, then you should check out the Nest Savings Account at LGE Community Credit Union, where they want you to reach your savings goals faster. Take it from a pair of 680 The Fan wives. Head to lgeccu.org to find out what makes their team number one in Georgia. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. Is there chaos in your closet? Look, Blouse, you've got some nerve hanging there like that. I can't help it. I'm jammed in here next to this suit. Hey, I'm a three-piece, all right, which means I need a little more room. You've got a lot of attitude for a linen suit. I'm a polyester blend, sweetheart, and there needs to be room for men's clothes, too. Hi, I'm Christina, and in Artisan Custom Closets, we help families organize and simplify their closets with customized storage solutions. See what's possible for your home at artisancustomcloset.com and then call us for a free in-home consultation. 